Hello again, everyone. It's Mark Stenson and Kirsten Goldie, and you have reached our podcast, IntelliKey Leadership Stories. It's the podcast where we talk about reaching your soul's potential, and specifically in this series of Amplifying Black Voices. And our guest today is going to help us do that. We have Tamika Newhouse. Tamika, I'm just so excited to have you on the program. Thank you so much, Mark, for having me on. I'm so anxious to be a part of this conversation with you guys. It's it's a very timely subject, very sensitive. Um, but I, I think overall, we're going to have a good time. So. Yeah, I think so too. Welcome to a special edition of IntelliKey Leadership Stories, Amplifying Black Voices, a series of interviews that help bridge the gap between what you think you know and what you need to hear about the true meaning of racial justice, diversity, inclusion, and equity. Real conversations about real experiences that lead to real change. Join the conversation now with your hosts, Kirsten Gouldy and Mark Stinson. We're going to be talking about reaching our soul's potential in understanding and reaching across the fences and the divides and the obstacles between us and other races to really understand the black experience and what we need to hear. And our guest today is gonna to help us do that. We have Tamika Newhouse. Kirsten, I think this burning question of what is it we need to hear? People say you need to understand. Yeah, I wanna to touch on something. I don't know, Tamika has me all excited, but what I'm really present to is having the privilege of sitting at white tables that nobody else will get to go into, the things that are said behind closed doors really prove that they're not listening, right? right. They just really don't care what we're saying. They just right. really don't care. I feel like it is really time to really having to listen, right? Yeah. Like it really having, and not just listen, like I think of my grandfather, I think I've shared this on the podcast before. He was Italian, didn't know I had, um, my mother had married a black man and had, you know, African-American children. She, they, he didn't know that. And he would sit and yell at the New York Yankees for having black people on the team. That is what, and it would make me cry. But he really didn't want to know better. Like Oprah says, when we know better, we do better. They know better. This conversation has been going on. So this is to my white brethren. What is it going to take for you to actually finally hear the call? Well, let's, the open the, let's open those doors. Let's open those ears. Well, Tamika is the CEO of Delphine Publications, herself an author, 16 novels. She's won eight African-American literary awards. Well, she was called by Adweek, the Chandra Rhymes of publishing, which, you know, she demurs from. But I think when you find over 200 other authors and hundreds of other writers and help them produce their work, publish their work, she founded a group called the AANBC Literary Awards. We want to hear more about that. She's co-producer and a writer of a great biopic of a hip-hop group. We want to hear more about that. We've got a lot to get to, Tamika. We're just so happy to have you. Uh, I feel like I'm running on your introduction. We'll run out of time for the yeah. interview. Tamika, I think with the backdrop of our introduction, let's imagine we're having this coffee, this lunch, and you say, you know, finally, we're all together. Our ears are open. We've had the chit chat. But we ask you, in the context of the issues and the social justice questions, Black Lives Matter, what do we need to hear? And what do our white friends and neighbors need to really understand about the Black experience right now? 
definitely right now it's it's not anything new that we have not experienced you know i I grew up in the early 90s in texas and i even knew about sundown towns we knew about you know areas where it wasn't safe for us to travel we knew how to engage or we were taught how to engage with the police these are conversations that uh that have been a part of us and i think when other races or you know white people begin to have understanding for that and that compassion for the fact that these things don't even cross their mind. It's just we're, we're a part of two different worlds. It's, it, it's going to have to start with just being human, having some type of compassion and an understanding and obviously accountability because without that part, there's not going to be um, a different experience for us. Um, so that's a bigger part of our struggle with gaining um, respect for gaining economic power, um, because on the other side, we don't control a lot of those moving pieces that will give us power in our own communities. And then secondly, it's not always just about what others can also do. Um, Internally, when it comes to us, we have to be accountable for our own communities. We have to be accountable for how we teach and raise our children. You know, it's, it's many pieces to this. And I'm grateful for social media in a sense where it forces the conversation to be right there in your face all the time. So it's like, okay, what are we going to do about this? It's here. It's a part of America's makeup. Like we would, we, we became the United States off of other people's, you know, backs and, and breaking broken homes and, and broken cultures. It's, it's just a part of, of what our history is. Okay, great. How do we create another story for us? How do we move forward? How do we create the dialogue that's going to lead to economic power, that's going to lead to possible um, more affordable education, more health care, things like that. So it's, it's so many layered pieces to this. Yes. Well, and you mentioned writing a new story. I mean, you are in the business of yeah. the creative story. How do you see the story unfolding? Well, when I started my organization, AANBC, which stands for African Americans on the Move Book Club, Um, In 2008, my sole purpose of this was to start a literary movement because Mm. I discovered there were hundreds and hundreds of Black writers that had these words in print. And when I began to discover this, because mainstream media only shows us so many, or they try to control the narrative or control what we see. And Mm. I began to realize and discover all of these unheard of voices that no one was celebrating and talking about. So, okay, cool, I'll do it. So creating this platform was not only just to celebrate those stories and those voices that was, was not being heard, uh, what, but it was to celebrate our power. Like my, my ancestors, my, my grandmothers and my grandfathers and, and those that came before me, we had a culture, we had a language that we were forbidden to use. Then we had to adapt something new. And then we were forbidden to read, let alone write. So now all these years later, we have so many Black folks' stories in print and they're able to earn from their stories. And then it's our stories because no one can tell it better than us. For me, that was worth celebrating. That's the movement on its own. Well, I'm in the middle of reading an old book from the 80s, but this woman is a storyteller. That's her role in her Latino community, right? And Oral, in the in history of our spiritual leaders, it was oral tradition. 
it was never written down and it was passed down generation to generation. And really what I hear you speaking to is that deeper essence. You're teaching the lessons through the written word and through the word of language, which in and of itself is a sound healing, right? Language is the medicine. Shamans call it the medicine of our healing. So I don't know. I, I get the sense because you said the word soul. This was your soul movement. You had a purpose behind this. And really, you're kind of like the curator of all of the storytellers of your community to pass the oral traditions, which is beautiful. Thank you. I've, I've never been able to put it into words, but you're, you're absolutely right. I, I even take the stories outside of the words now with creating experiences so that people can mm -hmm. experience the storyteller. And that's through events like Black Writers Weekend or the AAMBC Literary Awards. It's where we're still celebrating us. We're still celebrating our stories. And now we get to be rock stars while we do it. I love it. And to make it, you know, in any publishing venture, it would be admirable that you're elevating the voices of these writers. But why do you feel it's even more important for Black authors to have the kind of support you're giving them to get their stories out? It's definitely more important because I create a space that's safe for us. It's, it's made by us. It's for us. It's celebrated by us. It's attended by us. And I think that when we, and, and it's community driven. I think that the core value of what makes us great as Black writers, as Black creators, is understanding how to stay connected with like-minded individuals, how to pay homage to those that are funding and being bountiful and fruitful to um, your creativity. They're investing their monies into you by attending your book events, buying your books, going to your films. Uh, going to your events. So creating these spaces where writers can then join with other writers and then meet readers and movie lovers and culture lovers face to face and they look like us and, and they come from our background. It's, it's really, um, for me, that's, that should be enough. <laughs> like to be able to just be in our space and it's magical for the most part. Uh, people make uh, life-changing connections at Black Writers Weekend. Um, people are able to learn and gain experience at Black Writers Weekend. I think with writers also, they, they, they fail to realize that they're artists. And artist is, a, is, is an art form and it's, it embodies everything about you, not just what you put out for us to enjoy. So who are you? And allowing yourself to connect with readers and other authors in person allows you to come out of that shell and discover who you can be, you know, outside of your computer and, and engage with people and, you know, build those relationships and those connections. So th that's, I feel like that's why it's so much more important because we're building that room. That room is so powerful and so beautiful. Mm -hmm. Thinking back then to when you started, you're, you're very uh, forthcoming in your biography about going from teen mom to CEO <laughs> and writing all the books along the way. But where did you get your support, your connections, your mentorship? Um, well, I, I had to spend a lot of my adulthood in becoming a woman without an overseer. I lost my mother really young. I was 20 when she passed, um, and it was very traumatic. And that's when I wrote my first book three weeks after her passing as a way to kind of escape. Um, and I had to time and time again discover an inner strength or a, a reason why uh, to keep going. And it always boils down to my happiness. Um, I want to be a happy 
individual. I want to be a happy person, period. And I hate being in situations or um, living out days where it's not that. And granted, to get to this point of where I'm able to live out the days that I, that I control, live out the days on my own terms, it took a lot. And during those time periods, prayer, <laughs> seriously traveling, changing my surroundings, I'm controlling my fate and putting all of my dreams in my own hands and making them come true. Um, just being very intentional with the things that I want to do has always been my key to move forward. And along the way, I would meet people in person that would say I inspired them or they were able to do this because they saw me do this and do that, or they saw they met me years later and they, they did this. They, and I've gotten dozens and dozens of those stories. And I, and I think I'm like, okay, well, if I were to quit, if I were to just walk away or be like, okay, cool, I'm straight. Let me do something else quietly. What would happen to the people that's actually watching from afar that's I'm fueling them, like I'm, I'm giving them energy to move forward within their purpose and their journey. So that alone, my happiness and then sometimes being accountable for other people's purpose is what keeps me going. Very nice. And you mentioned prayer, of course. Are there any daily practices? What is it that you do on a daily basis to keep that spirit? I grew up in the church. So I was like a PK kid. So music was a big part of me growing up. Um, I even created my own music. It wasn't great, and I can't sing, so don't do that. I can't <laughs> sing at all, but I love doing it. Um, so music has always been a way for me to kind of purge my soul, um, to kind of re-energize myself. I also do a lot of running now these days and do nature walks, which is why I love living in Georgia because there's so many trees and forests. And being a part of nature reminds me of just uh, freedom. I feel free when I'm out there. Um, so yeah, so I, 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 I do those things to kind of center myself. And then I, I do a lot of meditation. I do my, my exercising my, and my yoga and I do my breathing sets and I just, I shut out the world. Like I do a lot of self-care and a lot of me time. And it, I, I like that time. It's peaceful, it's private, it's productive. And I'm able to, I guess, control the focus and just stay focused on you know, my, my, my journey here. Hmm. I, you know, I have a question for you because you'll, you have a couple of areas that would preclude or perceivably preclude people from moving forward with their life, right? You are a young single mother, right? Mm -hmm. You're an African-American woman, well, African-American and woman. So here you are as a successful CEO. And, and the reason I ask this is I, I run a wise woman circle for for women who have accomplished but are now moving into a different aspect of self where the mm -hmm. self-care becomes really important but if the world we gave so much to the world we never were really taught how to do that and I just I feel this is a huge message in particular because we have so much cancer we have so much physical illness right we it, it's a trilogy body mind soul like we need the whole aspect to survive. So how did you find time to make that self-care? Because I'm a firm believer, you can't have top performance if you're not caring for the body and yeah. for that quiet time. So how do you make that time being as successful and active with everything that you're doing? Well, I have the time now because I've, I've I actively begin to move things out of my life that wasn't going to be aligned with, with what I needed and wanted for myself. That took a lot. That was either companies, business relationships, personal relationships, 
just making sure that um, I'm being around positivity, um, being focused on you know my children, and then being focused on my mental health. I got to the point where I couldn't control my happiness. And then it became to the point where my, my happiness, it would just come and stay. And then it got really dark. And that's why I discovered I deal with bipolarism and depression in a very, uh, well then, a very severe way. Um, and I, I think when life really began to deal me the cards that I was meant to play, obviously, and became overwhelming, um, I had to really sit myself down and do something differently. And I had to learn it the hard way. So it, it's good now, but I had to do the work to make sure that I'm controlling my peace, my joy. I have more control over it. Not technically can control it, but more control. And I'm doing things intentionally that would lead to that, that happiness. Then I had to discover who am I? So mm -hmm. I haven't been dating or been in, a, being in an emotionally entangled relationship for years, not in my 30s at all, um, because I'm taking the time to just be a little bit selfish with my time and my own needs and just discovering the things I like to do. And it wasn't easy being um, a, you know, by yourself. Um, it wasn't easy shutting some things out. I went through the cries. I went through um, those late nights where you're questioning yourself. I wanted to quit. I did all those things. I've been, I've been actively working on my happiness now for over five and a half years, maybe six years, actively doing my therapy sessions, actively um, trying new things um, that I would think I would enjoy, like trying yoga, trying bicycling, trying trailing, doing a, a lot more traveling, just being intentional with discovering what would make me okay. And so that journey itself, it, it, it takes a lot out of you. But I promise you, once you get to the point where you are happy and you are at peace, um, there are no broken bridges and you've made peace with things and people around you, that part of happiness for me is success. It's like I want a million dollars. I'm really, mm. truly up the days that I want. Yeah, bingo. And that, that's the elixir of life. That's the peace people search their whole life for. And you said two things that I want to highlight, Mark, for our listeners. You know what you're on your sole purpose when your purpose becomes bigger than you. And you right. really set it for yourself. Being accountable for other people's purpose, you know that's one of your callings. That's bigger than you. That's a huge responsibility. And you said yes, right? And that's when I, I call it spirit, but please insert any word. But that's when we get called for our larger purpose. But then you also said, actively working on my own happiness. And it takes work and intentionality. And I really want to frame that for all of our performers out there. I know, Mark, you had some thoughts too. I just love this conversation. And, and without making light of it, when you were talking about making room in your life, you know, there's, there's almost a, I had to clean out the closet kind of uh, sound to it, but obviously deeper and more emotional. Yep, it was, it's the hardest thing because when, when you add other people into the equation, they make your choices about them. They begin to internalize while you're doing this and, and attempt to make you feel guilty for choosing something that's going to better be better for you. Um, and I, I experienced a lot of people that were just not genuinely wanting 
to be a part of my life or be in my space. It was either to gain or um, mm. for whatever purposeful reason that was not conducive to my happiness. Um, and I think when you get to the point of having these hard conversations with people about what you're choosing to do selflessly, like you're, you're about to go on this selfish journey or you're separating yourself from this, understand that you, you, you're going, going to get some pushback um, you're not going to get sometimes a, okay, great. I've seen people do some crazy things. Mm -hmm. um, love and infatuation, it makes people process and uh, differently. Their logic gets altered. And I've seen the ugly. And I'm okay with still saying, nope, I'm still not going to do what you want. Mm -hmm. I don't care. Have your fit. Do what you need to do but you're not going to bully me into doing what you want. Stand your ground, folks. It's okay. Mm -hmm. They will be okay. But what's most important is you being happy. Because once you're happy, everything around you begins to kind of flourish. Your children, you're have a, you have a better relationship with them, whoever you're in a relationship with, your marriage, your, your relationship with your, your parents, your siblings. You project differently. You speak differently. Like you receive things differently. You're just, you're just better. What you just spoke to, how could that potentially equate from your point of view to this conversation of Black Lives Matter, right? And really the eradication of this systemic racism and hatred. How, what you're saying, I feel like there's something there, this idea of happiness when we're, in, when we're happy with self we naturally are happier with others. When it comes to black, the correct. That's just, I mean, the, for me, that's just, it, it's kind of like one plus one equals two. When it comes to Black Lives Matter and movements such as these, it, could, it, it can bring a great light, a great big light to a conversation that needs to be had. But then it also, it could be a, def, a deflect or distraction from a lot of core issues and things that can be wrong within our community, that can be wrong within our families, that can be wrong within the system. Um, and it's bringing to light these conversations. I love the idea of us getting a fair chance when it comes to buying a home. I love the idea of us giving a fair chance when it, goes to, when it comes to going to the bank so that we can get an, and, you know, a loan for our business. I love the idea of us now dying in our children or being left with wealth and property. And I'm, I'm loving the idea of that, uh, but I'm also loving the idea of our own communities being active uh, within our own police departments, our fire departments, our library systems, our school, uh, school board systems, um, knowing who's uh, your neighbor. Um, I'm looking forward to us being accountable in our own immediate spaces. It's a lot of conversations being had online. It's a lot of people that get upset when there's a new tragedy that's now trending, but it's not enough of people actively making changes in their day to day. And it starts with the mindset. What are you doing today to contribute good in your day and also good in the world? Are you being a good person? Are you being productive? Are you being kind? Are you being honest? What are you feeding your brain? What are you mm -hmm. feeding your body? We, we, as, a, as a, a race, we do have so many things against us and it's always been that way. 
But yet that system also created ways for us to be against us within our own communities. They created so many ways and now we, we feel like it's a competition when one of us makes it our climb or where there's mm-hmm. violence against each other. They, they help create the narrative. They help create the division. Um, you'll, you can go into a neighborhood store in the hood and the juice is $2 more than the juice it is in the white neighborhood. Like, or the same with our gas. Like they, they would raise our prices in our neighborhoods to, to make it harder for us. I, I know it. They know it. These things happen, but there's so many moving pieces. I think the best way for us to be able to fight against a system that is against us is obviously to rewrite it. I think that we're doing that now with some of the changes. Thank goodness we're voting in a new president because we just need kindness. Whether people agree that Trump was a good president or not, we just need kindness. Someone mm-hmm. who can communicate. But that's a small piece of the puzzle like without having you know control and order within our own cities within our immediate communities and not being aware of what's going on we're going to still have these problems and things for generations to come i think we need more active leaders on the ground that are actively putting people in office that are listening to the people that are actively making those changes and things that we need of changing the narratives changing the laws um actively in those cities i don't think that we have enough um i don't think that people understand the importance of voting voting uh, especially when it comes to their the, the local elections within their their cities i think that part needs to be really encouraged a lot more and when, once we get a more handle within our immediate cities even when it comes to the police the, i think the police they should know the people in the neighborhoods that they're, they're, they're policing. It's, you're supposed to be protecting and serving. So you should be knowing the people that you're protecting and serving. That's just my, you know, It makes, makes so, sense, doesn't it? Yeah. It does make sense. That way, you won't, we won't have so, so many officers so jittery and in, in, in fear of their lives when they're pulling over or engaging with, you know, individuals, especially Black men or Hispanic uh, individuals or just whatever. Um, I think it, it definitely, that's a whole nother subject in itself, but it, it does start in our communities. It needs to be more hands-on. Yes. And it seems like you were empowered in your writing and your publishing, and it seems like you're giving that light to these new authors. I mean, is part of it feeling the empowerment that somebody says, I, I do feel heard. I do feel like my work matters. Definitely. When I started, uh, well, I self-published my very first book, Delphine Publications, back in 2009. And I started this company because I wanted to con- you know, control my destiny. I didn't want to wait for someone to tell me that I was good enough. I self-pub- self-published my first book. I was so great and, and obsessed with telling everybody about this book that I landed a book deal with Kensington nine months after it released. And from that, I began to receive uh, messages from writers that wanted um, to be a part of Delphine Publications. I didn't know what I was doing, but as far as with other writers, but I was like, okay, well, why not? If, if the story is great and, you know, there's an opportunity for us to obviously make money together, why not? Um, every writer I ever published under Delphine was mentored. They went on tour. I took my artists on the road with me so they can know how to engage with readers. We would sell books at these trade shows or on the corners of of markets and festivals, and I would have them out there 10, 12 hours every day. 
just hustling their stories and talking and engaging, providing them with marketing materials and just, you know, and then watching them shine. I remember there would be times where I'd be in the back of the tent, just watching them engage Mm -hmm. with their readers, people that actually knew of their stories and their books and they were meeting readers for the first time. And that for me was more than just fulfilling. It's something that they're going to take with them for the rest of their life. It's, It's something that they're going to say, be able to say that I did this, I accomplished this. And they learn so many things that they're able to, now a lot of them went on to launch their own publishing companies or self-publish their own books. And they're able to write full time just based off of their beginning with Delphine Publications. Yeah, you said so something exciting. so powerful. I am not going to wait for somebody else to tell me I'm good enough. Oh uh, yeah, I did say that. <laughs> yeah, that is so powerful, that, right? That's going to be on my bumper sticker now. <laughs> I, I just be saying stuff because it'd be honestly, when you think about it, why would you? Like right. you, it, I hear this question all the time. I want to do this. I want to do that. And I'm like, okay, well, go do it. Why are you just talking about doing it? What are we, what are we doing here, folks? Why well, do you speak in Mark's language now? Mark there is like, go. where's the action? Uh, Where yeah, is exactly. the action? <laughs> <laughs> you, don't want, you don't want it then. Like it's because it's everything nowadays, especially at our fingertips. So it's, do you want it or not? Yeah. Well, you've teed up a perfect question and uh, I can't you. thank you enough for this. What, what's next for you? Where does this action take you forward? Oh, I, I like how you said that. So my action is taking yeah. you. I, I'm putting out season two of my own podcast. It's a memoir pod. And I versus me actually writing a book about my life, I wanted to talk about it via conversations. And season two, I was called Traces of Mika. Season two will be released over the holidays this year. It, it opens up where I address my motherhood. Um, I talk about my family dynamic and how it was broken. And I talk about parenting. And so through that whole uh, podcast, I reveal my darkest moments, things I've never talked about, my life lessons, uh, things I've learned in love, all these things, how to you know prosper and be a mother as well as a businesswoman. So I'm promoting that. So I'm going on tour with that next year as well. Um, I'm putting out part two of my romance novel called Sugar Hill. I'm releasing a little small snippet of the book. uh, Well, like a little trailer of the book on Amazon Prime over the holidays as well. Um, I'm just doing so much stuff, y'all. And then I'm launching uh, my own Dreamers membership, where on a monthly basis, I'm offering up um, exclusive content on how I'm just doing what I'm doing. Um, which is just living my best life <laughs> by any means necessary and then creating the stuff that I want to do. I'm also um, now produ- uh, in, in the production seat for Black Writers Weekend 2021, which is a really huge festival that I do here in Atlanta every summer. So I'm just really, really busy, um, staying active. Can't wait for COVID to be lifted. I know we're about to go into the shutdown. So once that is done, y'all, I'm going back to live my best life. That's right. Look out. well i hope we have enough room in the show notes to list all these links because i know right there's a lot going on and we're gonna highlight them all as we know what i sleep though i do sleep um surprisingly but hey there's enough time you want to do this enough time it's all about organization um creating a system people may ask that so i'm creating a system i'm being organized and then just having a daily schedule you know it, it gets done you can do that you can do it all I love it. Well, Tamika, thank you so much, both for the you know, sort of inspiration and encouragement to get our work, our creative work executed, but more, yeah. it's, let's get that soul vision part too. 
Let's yeah. and, and, and in closing, <laughs> do not wait for somebody to tell you you are good enough. Do are not you? wait. I'm I'm make that part of my marketing uh, my marketing. Absolutely, that's right. that's, that was brilliant. I'm pretty sure that's the title of this podcast now. We we I got love it. That. Let's do that. <laughs> okay, Mark, I see you. That's right. <laughs> That's right. I needed Tamika in my life bad to help me. Uh, get this. <laughs> there you go. Well, what a pleasure. We have uh, really enjoyed our conversation, both on uh, understanding about amplifying black voices and getting this conversation elevated, but even more, just uh, our creative spirit has been lifted and we can't thank you enough. And I can't thank you guys enough for allowing me to be on the show. I'm excited to hear the playback. And for those who are listening, if you are in a space of unhappiness, identify the things that make you unhappy first and then find a way or discover a strategy to get out of it. It is possible. There is a way. Just be patient and be intentional. Beautiful message. There you go. Our guest has been Tamika Newhouse. She is an author, and but she is also a publisher. She's a producer. She's the make it happen person for so many great creative talent out there. And we've really enjoyed talking with you, Tamika. Thanks, guys. You've been listening to a special edition of IntelliKey Leadership Stories, Amplifying Black Voices. IntelliKey Leadership Stories is copyright 2020. Subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts, including Apple Podcasts, Amazon Music, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, and many more. I'm Jason Lanier White. On behalf of your host, Kirsten Gouldy and Mark Stinson, thanks for listening to IntelliKey Leadership Stories. <laughs>